In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Okay, here is our dilemma. One week from Thursday, Jesus is going to be reassigned to the home office. A week from Thursday is Ascension Day, and as you know, on Ascension Day, our Heavenly Father reaches down and grabs His only begotten Son and pulls Him up, up through the clouds, up all the way to heaven to sit at His right hand. That is going to be a very, very good day for Jesus, but it can be a very difficult day for us. It can be hard for us because for us so often seeing is believing. And once Jesus ascends, there is nothing left for us to see, and so it feels as if there is nothing left for us to believe. Now, who can save us from that? Let's try Einstein. Back in the 1920s, when scientists were trying to work out the rules for quantum mechanics, the great physicist Niels Bohr suggested that at a quantum scale, things did not exist unless we were seeing them. More specifically, he suggested that things did not exist unless we were measuring them. To that, Einstein famously replied, really, does the moon exist if I don't see it. Of course, what Einstein was saying is this. Yes, you can still believe in the moon even when you don't see it. Really, it's still there. Now, how do you know the moon is still there even when you don't see it? Because it's still working. Everybody knows that on a cloudy night, even when you can't see the full moon, the full moon is still working. It still affects tides and expectant mothers and kindergartners and lunatics and werewolves. Okay, Einstein didn't say the part about the werewolves, but you get the point. Even when you can't see it, you know the full moon is still working because it is changing things it is still having an effect. Jesus is just like the moon. After Jesus ascends to heaven, you can't see him anymore. At least you can't see him in the way that Mary his mother and Mary Magdalene and Peter and James and John and the disciples saw him after the resurrection. You can't see him the way that Thomas saw him when Thomas put his hand into his side all the way up and touched his heart. You can't see him the way that they saw him on the beach when they ate fish with him, or the way Cleopas saw him on the road to Emmaus. But even though you can't see him, you know that he is still working. He is still changing us. He is still having an effect on us. In some ways, the disciples in the gospel for today are very much like those scientists in the 1920s. They have discovered this mysterious thing, this Jesus, this Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the only begotten Son. And now they are trying to work out what this mystery means. They are trying to work out what it means to be a Christian. 
They are trying to work out what it means to follow Jesus here on earth. They are trying to understand what it means to be a Christian after Ascension Day, when Jesus goes up to heaven in his body early to a place where no one can follow, at least not yet. And so what can they point to? Where shall they go? How shall they live? Whom shall they follow? What should they do? What effect is Jesus still having on them even when they cannot see him? What should they do? Jesus is very clear about this. In one word, Jesus says, love. It's there in verse 35. Jesus says, if you love each other, then everybody will know that you are my disciples. If you love each other, everybody will know that I am still here. If you love each other, it will be so weird. It will be so strange. It will be so mysterious that everybody will look at you and they will know that I am still in this place, that I am still at work, that I am still changing you and using you and affecting you. They will still know this and it will be for the glory of God. If you have been in the church at all, I'm sure you are familiar with the word that Jesus uses here in verse 35. It is that word agape. It's a strange word for love. It means neither sex nor friendship. It means a love that is utterly selfless. And we are used to that simple definition in the church, this idea of selfless love. But you should know that this word agape also has other meanings. Agape also means to welcome. So it means kindness and tolerance and loving the unlovable. Agape also means to entertain. So it means generosity and hospitality and blessing. It means sharing what you've got to make somebody else happy. Agape also means to accept. It means to be happy with other people just the way they are, even if they haven't become what you want them to become yet. So when Jesus says, this is a commandment, he means that this is God's way for us to go forward. This is God's way of living. This is God's way of being church. This is God's way of going out into the world. This is God's way of following Jesus all the way home to heaven. And when Jesus says this is new, when he says this is a new commandment, you only need to go home today to see this. You go out into the world and the first thing you will experience is that it is bitter and divisive and intolerant and often hateful. So you will see that this idea that Jesus gave 2,000 years ago is still new. It certainly hasn't been worn out. It hasn't even really been tried that much. Jesus says, love selflessly, love the unlovable, love in order to make somebody else happy. Love others just the way they are. Love them even if they're not the people you want them to be. Love them and forgive them. Most of all, forgive them as you have been forgiven. You go out in the world and you don't see that every day. It is a still a new thing. 
But we see it, and we believe it. In the church, we actually still believe in this new commandment. We still believe in divine love. Because for 33 years, we did see it. For 33 years as a church, we did see it. It was right in front of us in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. It was right there in the manger. It was right there on the cross. For 33 years, we did see it as an atonement for our sins. We did see it. We saw it on Easter, and we saw it beyond. When St. Thomas put his hand into Jesus' side, all the way to his heart, the heart from which came blood and water, the heart from which came Eucharist and baptism. We did see it. And now, even after Jesus goes to a place where we cannot go, we do see it. We see it whenever somebody who is completely unlovable is baptized and is forgiven. We see it any time we come to the Eucharist and we learn to love the people that we don't even like. We see it any time we forgive. We see it any time we are forgiven. We see it in the church whenever people are merciful, whenever they are generous, whenever they are welcoming, whenever they are kind and hospitable. We see it any time that we are loving. It isn't normal. It isn't natural. It isn't even human. It is divine, and it is a divine gift. We love only because we've been loved by this mystery who is Jesus Christ. This mystery, Jesus, whom we cannot see, but who is still changing us, still working on us, still using us, still affecting us. Even if we can't see him, we know he's here by what he does. We see him in his work, his work that is in us and through us, and especially for all of us. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.